I know it might not feel good to see how the SWAT coaches actually value Jackson State going into this year, but trust me, JSU fans, it's really no disrespect. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on family welcome back to another episode of the locked on hbcu podcast your number one daily one-stop shop for everything hbcu athletics monday through friday part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor and current contributing writer at usa today's saints wire now i appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day but remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusive starts with the nest ends with the nest we're going to wrap up today's episode by discussing a huge problem i have with our athletic websites and why this needs to change in the middle of today's episode we'll be talking about a stacked week one taking a real big look ahead because we're about a month away from that a month and some change away but i wanted to highlight it we're going to kick off though with i think something that needs to be explained and that's though jackson state was not what their fans would probably consider well represented at SWAC media day and the all conference team. And then also in the preseason polls is truly and genuinely no disrespect. Like you might take it as disrespect because that's your team and all of those things. But I want to tell you there was no disrespect intended. And I don't think there was any disrespect given to be honest. I think that Jackson state only had one player on the all-swat conference team, first or second team. I believe that was DJ Stevens. I didn't see anyone else. And if there was, it was maybe two or three, right? So it wasn't a lot of players from JSU. They were predicted to be second in the preseason poll. You might not like that, but I'm going to tell you the truth of the matter, and that is that is a a representation of how many people around the country look at Jackson State outside of Jackson, and that's we don't know. Like, that, that's the truth of the matter, is that we don't know. You know, if, if I want you to put your situation on any other team, complete roster overhaul, overhaul, right? So if you're a Jackson State, I'm asking you, if you're a Jackson State fan, to take the situation that you are in and place it on any other team that you could think of. It doesn't matter. We can just use Alcorn, you know, or you don't want to use a rival. We can use, we can use Prairie View. We can use, we use Delaware State. Right, you can just put a MEAC team there. If you're a Jackson State fan, put your situation on someone else. You have a complete roster overhaul. You have a first-time head coach. There are going to be a lot of questions that you would have. And the truth is, those questions don't get answered until the season. So when we're making these preseason polls and we're making these preseason projections, you can't expect to be the first team or the first-place team in the SWAC East again, especially not when fam used there, I know that Jay Walker seemed a bit surprised by that. He thought that maybe they should have been given the first team, you know, 
he said they're back-to-back champions. Yes, they are, but there's so many things from that back-to-back championship team that have changed. This is not me saying that Jackson State is going to fail. This is not me saying that Jackson State is going to excel. But I'm not confident in anything. I'm not confident in either one of those sides. So when we're making preseason projections, this is a prove-it year. Not you need to prove that the last two years was a fluke. I spoke about the pressure of that before. That's not what we're saying here. But you just have to prove what you are. Show me. Show me is a better way to say it. I understand that JSU probably feels like these transfers that are being brought in, we're going to do this, that, and the third. But everybody else isn't obligated to have that same confidence. And I think T.C. Taylor actually had the right way to think about it. He said, I see the list. I see where they have us. They haven't seen the players that we have to the degree that we have seen them. Right? So basically, we at Jackson State know way more about the players than these other people. That's true. But because these other people don't know as much, they can't really have them highly. Cardell Thomas, who came to FAMU, he wasn't on the first team all-swag team, and he was on the uh, preseason Shrine Bowl watch list. Came from LSU. Just because you're a transfer from somewhere doesn't mean you automatically get the love of, oh, we think this guy is going to dominate. I wouldn't call it disrespect, but if you want to use this as a rallying cry, by all means, feel free. But I think that you should listen to your leader. I think you should listen to your coach and kind of move the way that he did. We know way more about these players. So take the confidence. Take the confidence for sure. They don't know about these players. And understand that that is their frame of reference. And because that's their frame of reference, you can't really, can't really believe us. No. I'm sorry. And with the head coach being different, this is this is a completely different conversation if you're looking at a Buddy Pugh or if you're looking at a, a Fred Bear. Then you can really put your trust in the coach because you feel like you've seen a track record of him. You might have even seen him have a team that you didn't expect to be good and end up being good. But with T.C. Taylor, he's the first-time head coach. There's no even track record for that. So the roster doesn't have a track record for real. The coach doesn't have a track record. That's going to be a recipe for me being hesitant to say whatever they're going to be. We'll see what it's going to be. But please, 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 I'm telling you, don't use it as, use it as motivation. Don't call it disrespect. Now, moving forward, Jackson State is actually included in this. But week one of the HBCU landscape, specifically the SWAC, but Hampton is involved as well, so I need to say HBCU. But week one is actually really stacked. And Black Media Day highlighted that, and I want to do the same as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is the epitome of successful job hunting, efficient job hunting. There's only one place that you should go if you're either an employee looking to be an employee or if you're a business owner looking for employees. And that is linkedin.com slash locked on. Because first off, you can post your job for free with a purple hashtag hiring frame. Over 800 million people use LinkedIn on a daily basis. This is the place where you no no longer have to have random people walk into your room and say, oh, yeah, 10 minutes in, your skill set doesn't even fit. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time and go to LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College where you can see exactly what people's skill set is before you actually bring them into the room, before you bring them into interview so you know exactly what they are capable of before they come. 
And now you can have a better job hunt that way. Go to LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. Use the purple hashtag HiringFrame and get the perfect fit for yourself. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day tomorrow. Because we are going to have a fourth episode of this week. Tomorrow, Gerald Huggins is joining the show to break down his life story, his draft HBCU, his life after football, and his life beyond football. This We already did it. This was a lot of fun. I, I, I genuinely cannot wait for this one. Now, week one of the HBCU season is stacked. Not week zero. I mean, actually week one. Week one is actually a stacked week, and this is a real look ahead. And we'll do it again when that week comes up because there's so many week, so many, so many um, um games that I want to highlight in that week that we will 100% do it. But we're skipping past week zero, the Swag Miak Challenge. We're skipping it. We're going straight to week one. And Swag Media Day highlighted this. I don't know why they highlighted it, but there are a bunch of good games and a bunch of games with ramifications real ramifications like that's that's what i think sets this apart from last year so you look at the squads that were playing in i think important games or games that you would want to check out anticipated games right last season you had the orange blossom classic you had prairie view versus tsu you had north carolina central versus north carolina anti Stephen f austin versus alcorn Howard versus Hampton. And when you look at those lists, it's kind of reflected in what you have this year. But you, I would say there's probably about four, three to four big-time matchups, depending on how you looked at it. There's different ways to really view that and whatnot. But this year, you have the Orange Blossom Classic, Prairie View versus TSU, yet again. So those games are the same. So those are holdovers. But I'll explain to you why those are a little bit different as well. Then you have Hampton versus Grambling in Southern versus Alabama State. So yet again... The two games that are the same, and then Hampton are involved in prominent games. Now, there are less games, right? There was five last year. There's four this year that I would personally highlight, but to the masses, I think they're about the same, if not a bigger advantage to this season, right? If not a bigger advantage to this season. First off, I think that TSU versus PV is going to be more anticipated than it has been in a long time to people who aren't PV or TSU fans. Last year, the beginning of the TSU hype was there, but I think that the hype for, for Texas Southern is a little bit different this year, and I think people actually believe that they'll be contenders. And I think the same with Prairie View. I wasn't so sure that people believed in TSU last year to be actual contenders. I think they were in a situation where people were like, all right, what are they going to be? We think that Andrew Body is going to take this step, so they'd probably be good, but I'm not sure exactly what they'll be. Now I think people expect them to actually be contenders and this game is going to be important because it could actually decide something. And it did last year, but it decided everything. But it, it, I think this could be an important game. I wouldn't say OBC's level importance because I don't think that PV is going to be there. But it will be an extremely important game to the SWAC West race. I do believe that. Um, then you look at the OBC. The OBC, I don't know if it's looked at with the same anticipation 
but I think it's looked at with similar levels of anticipation. Last year was, okay, this is going to be the SWAC championship game. I don't know if people feel that way this year, but I do think people are really itching to see exactly what Jackson State is, and maybe they feel like they wouldn't be able to see that against Week 0. I mean, in Week 0 against South Carolina State, but I do believe this is going to be a bar where people start talking about really what Jackson State is. This might be the point when we really form a concrete opinion on what we believe that they'll be. Not fair at all because they still have 10 more weeks, but that's what we'll do. Two games down the down in the season, all right, this is who Jackson State is now. And there will be a, for sure, will be a microscope placed upon them. Everybody will be looking to see exactly who they are because that's back-to-back nationally televised games. And no one else is playing. Might just had, might just had, you know what? That might be it, just like we did with Prunty. This might be a this might be a topic that we bring up later down the line. How the first two games for Jackson State are so important. Probably bring that up next week. Then you have Hampton versus Grambling, and I know people like to exclude Hampton and North Carolina A and T and Tennessee State. Uh, I, I don't like that personally. I, I really don't like when people do that. But with Hampton this year, they're going against Grambling, and that game is in New York, and I think that makes it more important because. You can make an argument that that doesn't have any ramifications because it doesn't. But I do believe that when it comes to recruiting in the state of New York, I believe that that will actually do wonders. You have two phenomenal, I mean, elite level brands. Grambling is an elite level athletic brand, in my opinion, when it comes to football. Call it bias for my frame of reference. I grew up not that far from Grambling. And to me, the Bayou Classic is the game, right? But to me, Grambling is an elite athletic brand, especially when it comes to football. Eddie Robinson, like, no, it's not a bias. They are. Grambling is an elite level athletic brand. Meanwhile, Hampton is an elite level academic brand. That's what I feel like people know them for. Hampton is the Brainiac. Like, that's one of those type of schools. No disrespect to the athletic program, but the branding is the branding nevertheless. So when you're looking at Hampton versus Grambling going to New York, this is kind of a perfect situation, not only for just brands going against each other, but to improve the recruitment of kids in New York. You're not only getting athletes, you're getting athletes from New York, hopefully, and you're also hoping to get scholars from New York, both of which are well-represented in a Grambling versus Hampton matchup. Then you look at Southern versus Alabama State, and that's just two SWAC teams going against each other, both of which I think people believe are going to be competitors and contenders in their division. So you look at last year, PV versus TSU, I don't think people really looked at it as having ramifications. Orange Blossom Classic had the most ramifications of probably any other game preseason. Then you look at a North Carolina Central versus North Carolina A&C, SFA versus Alcorn, or excuse me, take that out. North Carolina Central versus North Carolina A&T, Howard versus Hampton. Those have bragging right ramifications, but so does PV versus TSU. But overall, it didn't matter whoever lost that game in the, in the grand scheme of things. It didn't matter if Central would have beat North Carolina Central. Excuse me, if A&T would have beat North Carolina Central. Central still would have been in the, in the Celebration Bowl. Wouldn't have mattered if Hampton, or Hampton did beat Howard, I believe. So, wouldn't matter if vice versa. They still would have been in the same exact position because these weren't conference games. These were bragging right games. I wouldn't consider them to really have ramifications. That's important. Meanwhile, you look at the OBC ramifications. PV versus TSU, I believe this year has ramifications. Hampton versus Grambling, no ramifications. However, it does boost the stock. It is it's something that I believe is bigger than each university. I think it's something that we 
as an HBCU community actually could appreciate when it comes to recruitment in New York. And then you look at Southern and Alabama State, that is two contenders who I believe that's going to be a conference game. I don't believe that they are two SWAC teams going, going against each other in a non-conference game. Rambling had one of those last year. I don't believe that is the case. If you just want to take out Hampton versus Grambling, that's three real big ramification games. I think these. I think that week one is going to be extremely important, and I wanted to highlight that, and we will highlight that yet again once week one comes around, once we pass the SWAC champion or the SWAC MEAC challenge and all of that. But I wanted to take today to do it because I thought I was honestly impressed, and I didn't realize how many great games or important games were going to be in that week. Moving forward, this is a big thing, and it's something that I feel like I need to say now, and that is we need to fix our athletic websites. It's so bad. It's 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 too bad. It is it is too bad and it needs to be fixed. And I'll tell you exactly why and how it got me as we continue with Locked On HBCU. As we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day and making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Simple and plain, we must fix our athletic websites. This is pitiful. I don't believe that this is a difficult thing to fix. But we must be better. It's not a difficult thing to fix, and I feel like we must be better. I've never done the cyber and all of that stuff so much that I don't even know exactly what category to put it in. But I do know that there are people who do specialize and do know which category to put this in. And not only do they know which category to put it in, they know exactly what they're doing. Pay somebody to fix our websites because this is this is on, honestly a hindrance to me, a hindrance to other media. This is a hindrance to a lot of people. Now, I would like to believe that this won't be as much of a hindrance to me now that I've been put on game on my, my guy, Gerald, right? Because like I told you, we, we actually uh, filmed his interview already. And he was able to put me on game because we were talking about Sunday out of Anderson. And I said, my only thing about Sunday out of Anderson is he hadn't been healthy. I said that to you, I think, last Friday. I said that to him yesterday. <sighs> he said, what are you talking about? Dude, what are you talking about? He reads me something that says Sunday out of Anderson has played 21 games in the last two seasons. I'm like, man, no. Maybe played 21 games, a little over 21 games in his career. I go to the Grambling website. And I say, look, the Grambling website says he played two games in 2021. And he tells me, I see how I got you. Happens to everybody. I don't know if he said it happens to everybody, but it makes me feel a little better to believe that he told me it happens to everybody. But he did say he understood and that was the fact that Grambling just doesn't have their website in correct order. Now, if you've ever gone to an HBCU athletic website, you might have ran into this problem. Not everybody has it, but there's many of them who do. You see multiple entries for the same player. Sunday, Sunday out of Anderson, six games, three games, four games. Now, I knew that was the case. I knew that was the case. But I thought if I went to, if only one of those entries has ever clickable like you can actually click it and then go to full bio so i believed if i were to go to full bio but i skipped that step and i just went straight to roster sunday out of anderson career stats but i believe if i went to the full bio which got me to the same place as what i did that it would then compile all of those numbers together for me 
I don't know if it was just ignorance or if it was laziness or maybe a mixture of both. You know, um, but I thought that if I went to career stats, if I went to the full bio, it would just combine all of those entries. So if it was six games here, it was four games here, one game there, it would end up compiling to 11 games. I've never tested this theory in the sense of going to the career and then going back to the individual stat sheet for all of the players and seeing if the games even out. I just kind of assumed. I just kind of assumed, but I won't make that mistake anymore because it didn't. And if I would have went to each individual Sunday out of Anderson, I would have been able to put together that he played, I believe, 10 games in that season. But instead, I got duped. I went and said two websites and I will take I will take the responsibility for not doing my due diligence and not checking twice. I will take that responsibility. But at the same time, the websites need to be fixed. This is not something I should have to check twice about. I shouldn't have to go through, through two, three steps to see what a season looked like for an individual player. I should be able to look at one Sunday out of Anderson and have it there, especially if you're going to have all of them together. How did the Sunday out of Anderson change? What's different between Anderson one, Anderson two and Anderson three? Like I said, I don't mess with that side of things. I don't know that side of things. But I don't feel like it's a very difficult thing to fix. I don't feel like this is something that should be a, 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 a big deal. This, is, this should be something that's done within the week. I, and I think putting it at a week is a little bit generous. But this isn't me just venting. This isn't just me complaining. You're doing the, the, the players a disservice, in my opinion. Because not everybody's even going to go look down the – because. The way that the stat sheet is set up is the top stats are at the top. Of course, right? It goes in descending order. How many people are really going to the bottom of the stat sheet? Most people aren't looking for those players. And when you only have one game, for like if it goes five, four, two, that two game is going to be at the bottom. If it goes seven, three, what? Like the lesser the number of games played, the lesser numbers of games attributed to that entry, the lower it's going to be on the stat sheet and the less likely people are going to be seeing it. So now you're just going to be assuming that's, that Anderson played two games. You're going to assume that he's injury prone. I would have assumed that. I probably would have came on and said it again had I not talked to Gerald Huggins because I looked at his career stats and it said two games in 2021. There is no excuse for that. That should be an easy fix. I think you're just making it harder on media on people who want to know about these players, maybe even scouts who go to the to the team website to try to see, okay, who are the, the best players? They probably aren't taking three steps. They probably aren't looking. How many scouts who aren't at the game, right, or don't have a, a – let's say you're a scout and you're looking for someone and you're going through some of the stats to see, okay, maybe I need to look at film on this guy. How many of them you think are looking at the, the defensive end with one sack on the season? At what point do you even think they're stopping? Five? Think they're stopping at five sacks on the season? All right, I'm not looking at anybody who has less than five sacks. If that's the case, you think the two-game person is going to make it? Think the, the three-game person is going to make it? The one-game person is going to make it? And this player might have compiled eight sacks altogether. But you got four, two, two. You're doing a disservice to him. You're doing a disservice to us. You're doing a disservice to you, the fan. That's what's happening. We need to fix our athletic websites, and I, I appreciate you for allowing me to vent. I appreciate that, but this is something I feel like impacts not only me, but it impacts the players, impacts other medias, and I also think it impacts the fans. And it's something that is actually disappointing to me, and we'll, we'll keep it there. I always knew this was the case, but when I knew that my one way to get around the problem was no longer a fix, well, now we have to reiterate why this is so much of a problem and why this needs 
to be fixed. So I appreciate you for letting me vent. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day as well. Both of those things are much appreciated. On tomorrow's episode, I'm very excited because Feature Friday is about my guy, a really good friend of mine, Gerald Huggins, who, after being on this show so many times, we have formed a real relationship. So I was extremely excited to highlight his draft HBCU journey, but then also highlight who he is after football, after he played college ball, and then also who he is beyond the game of football and we had a lot of fun, so you need to tune into that one. If you never tuned into an episode until today, tune into that one and make that number two because you do not want to miss it. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.